Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are back live. Uh, great time to break out the Yelly sweatshirt. Um, yeah. Thank you to Tyler at Wisco Ball, by the way, for that. You can get one of these bad boys. Uh, great time to break it out while Christian Yelich is having a great month of May. Spoiler alert, a little bit on on uh, on Jake's end, a little bit of foreshadowing. But yes, we are going to start, as we have um, every Wednesday so far in May, with our gratitude challenge. So one thing from our personal life and one thing from Wisconsin sports that we are grateful for uh, as part of Mental Health Month, which is on day 17 already. It doesn't feel like it's already May 17th and that we've had... 17 days of mental health awareness month come and go and I've had a post every single day uh in relation mm-hmm. to mental health sports and the combination mm-hmm. of the two so jake i'll let you go first because you're back this week after a one-week absence um one thing from your personal life and one thing from wisconsin sports so for my personal life um with mother's day just being around the corner uh we're past it i want to say thank you to my mother uh for dealing with my bullshit my entire life. I don't think there's another way I could phrase it that would <laughs> give it, you know, the feeling. Um, I also want to thank my dad. Uh, both my parents have sacrificed a lot in their lives to get me to the point where I am today. And they still, to this very second, support me with no second guessing. So I just want to say thank you to my parents. I love you guys very much. And then I want to thank the GMs for all our sports teams. Those are the people that get dragged the most, I feel like, in – on social media, um, when things are going bad, it, right away it's point to the GM. The GM didn't do this, you know, and, and that, I've been having a lot of Packers discussions lately. So it's always Brian didn't do this. Brian didn't do this. Brian didn't do this. And I'm thinking, like, do you understand all the things that have to happen for wins and losses? Like, it's not yeah. just all on Brian. He's giving us players to put us in the best position. So right. I just want to say thank you. It's It feels like the 
the least thankless job. I don't know if that's proper English, but it feels like the least thankless job um, thankless. in sports. Um, yeah, the most, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I would say most thankless. It's the most, there. it's the most thankless job. I feel like um, in sports because people are always just on top of them and no matter what they do, you're going to have a crowd of people that are mad at you. So Always they're doing what they think is best for their team, you know, Brewers, Bucks, uh, Packers. Uh, obviously, in college, you know, we have ADs. So I feel like McIntosh is doing a great job with the football program, I would say. And we have a lot of winning programs at Wisconsin. But mm-hmm. the football program has a lot of optimism around it right now. Mm-hmm. Also, today is is 100 days from, you know, the kickoff. So that's exciting. Nice. Um, which means 101 days till I turn 31. That's not exciting. <laughs> I haven't um, hit 30 yet, but that'll be right before you turn 31. So. Yeah, yeah. That's weird how that worked out. But, you know, here we are. Uh, yeah, what's your options, buddy? So I'm going to just – first one, I'm going to say thank you for Taylor because uh, Taylor has been uh, <laughs> keeping us up to date – on on all the things which we'll talk about shortly after but taylor's back for the beginning of a show instead of instead of uh, hopping in in the middle so excited that taylor gets to watch a whole show and yes taylor uh jake is old um yes. he's gonna be old and crusty and yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> i'm sorry i couldn't <laughs> okay so for me on on as far as personal life goes i want to say thank you to my grandfather actually um, he has, I won't reveal the amount or anything cause he wanted to remain kind of anonymous, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my grandpa a thank you. Cause he is donating a, a chunk of money towards our scholarship. That's going to come along, uh, with our, our announcement that we have for Monday, um, or re-announcement or continued announcement that we have for Monday. So I want to say thank you to my grandpa for doing that. Um, you know, he didn't want a lot of, a lot of notoriety for it or anything like that, but I just wanted to give him a a shout out on the show because he is doing something that's going to benefit us and somebody whoever ends up receiving the scholarship. As far as Wisconsin sports go, I want to say that I am grateful for Joel Piamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a guy who was a throw-in in the William Contreras trade, he has been what I've said and will continue to say, been the most underrated player on the Milwaukee Brewers this season. So I'm thankful for Yoel Piams is my my gratitude for the day. Now, before we start and jump into uh, the Brewers and Royals season series and our power pairs, I want to reiterate again that Monday, the 22nd, that's five days from now, mm-hmm. we will be at American Family Field with Mental Health America at a table at American Family Field. This is arguably the biggest thing that we have done for our show. Uh, we are actually literally working with one of the teams that we talk about every week and getting to be there during Mental Health Awareness Month with the ladies from Mental Health America who have helped us massively yeah. um, put this this table together and have things for us to be able to hand out at this uh, at this game, which will be on Monday. So if if by any chance you can get to the Brewers game on Monday, uh, we will post eventually when we know exactly where we're going to be in the stadium. Uh, we'll post that location for sure. Um, but we'll be in there. We'll be in the building. <laughs> we know that much. Yeah. Um, 
So as soon as we have the information of where exactly in the building we're going to be, uh, we will obviously put that information out. But we will for sure be there at Monday's game at a table um, promoting Wisco Fanatics and Mental Health America during Mental Health Awareness Month. So if this is something that goes well, what Jake and I are hoping is that we can take this event and present it to the Packers, the Bucks, the Badgers, um, any and you know, and potentially any sports team in Wisconsin, and say, "Look, this is what we did. Can we do this? You know, mm-hmm. at Lambeau, at Fiserv, at Camp Randall, at the Cole Center, anything like that um, throughout the year, and not just during uh, Mental Health Awareness Month." Which yeah. um, Jake and I are going to be part of something else with Mental Health America in the month of June. Um, so that'll be coming up next month, which is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month, which is uh, uh, definitely a, a heavy topic to get into. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. So, Jake, is there anything you want to say before we hop into some power pair? Um, I also just want to extend my uh, thank you to the ladies at Mental Health America, everybody really who works there that you know took the time to look our show up, study us, and give us a chance, man. Uh, we're just two kids from Keele, Wisconsin with a dream, man. So <laughs> we're just going to ride the wave, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, Taylor's going to be there. Taylor's excited to see us, and we're excited to, to meet Taylor as well. And Bill, you better not Bill, call me if you're old watching, I hope you can make it too. That would be <laughs> – You better not call me old in real life, man. <laughs> I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you're different. I know you for a long time. Taylor's younger than us, though, or younger than me. I'm already younger than you, but. <laughs> All right. Give me your power position player. Basically, right. only two choices. We 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 uh, we put our heads together and each picked one so we didn't have the same one. But there's really only two choices in my mind. Yeah. So I went with uh, Yelly, who Tyler is uh, showing off on the chest there. Uh, for the week, he went six of 13, seven RBIs, two walks, four runs, three home runs, and two stolen bases. He's up to nine stolen bases now this year, so that's great to see. Um, I wrote down his May stats, you know, for, for all the haters to suck on while they, they think of their next hate tweet for Kristen Yelich. Mm. 48 at-bats, 16 hits, 10 runs, four home runs, 12 RBIs. Now – I'm going to go through his average, his on-base percentage, his slugging percentage, and his OPS, which is slugging and on-base percentage. Um, his average is 333. Thank you, Jesus. Um, his on-base percentage is 396. His slugging percentage is 604. So, I mean, he's getting up there. And his OPS is 1,000. So, I mean, if you're going to hate on this guy, you better wait till the end of the month of May because he's absolutely raking right now. So, I just pulled it up to see where he's at. Where he's gone, where he's come from, where he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to begin the Colorado series, he was batting, or going into the Colorado series, he was batting 223. He's now batting 258. Yeah. So, he has raised his batting average 35 points. He does that again. People are going to really have to shut up. <laughs> Oof. If he raises his batting average another 35 points and he's batting 293. And getting on base as much as he is and stealing bases and playing elite defense. Yeah. Sheesh. We're yeah. Be talking about an all-star. Yeah. Then, then he's then people can stop talking about that contract. Which even defensively, he's already on pace to earn if you look at his fielding wins above replacement. But that's a conversation for later in the season. <laughs> um, the other guy, the only other guy that was really in contention for this 
uh, for this power pair position player was um, Owen Miller, Wisconsin native Owen Miller. Josh, yes, they will complain when he has an off game. People do that all the time. Yep. With any polarizing player, Chris Middleton's the exact same way. True. One bad game. Oh, my God, he's terrible. Trade him, cut him, whatever. Don't extend his option, whatever. Christian Yelich is the same thing. Um, polarizing player, and now people feel so stubbornly that they have to stick to their opinions that they can't just you know be happy that somebody on their team is performing well. Yeah. Which is why we put out um, the reel that I put out, I think it was yesterday, about normalizing, updating your opinions in light of new evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not saying that you have to be all the way back on the Christian Yelich bandwagon and say, oh, my God, he's back to 2019 Christian Yelich. Like, don't have to go that far. He's playing better in the month of May than he was in the, than the month of April, better than he has over the last couple of years. Um, and on track to at least be nearing how good he was in 2018 and 2019. True. So you can update your opinion. Nobody's going to be like, oh, my God, you said he was terrible. Like, you can you can say he's playing well. Nobody's going to crucify you for it. No. So as Taylor said, it's Miller time. Owen Miller, he is in the lineup again today in place of Christian Yelich. The Brewers are playing another lefty. Craig Council did said that Christian Yelich was dealing with some back tightness. So Owen Miller is going to uh, play again today in part because you can't take him out of the lineup. Yeah, the dude's on an 18 game on base streak and has a nine game hitting streak going yeah. over the last week. He is eight of 18. That's a 444 batting average, has four doubles and a home run, and only two strikeouts. Yeah, now I gave you, I, I looked up Christian Yelich's batting average for the month of May and what he's done to it so far. Owen Miller's is crazier. Owen Miller coming into the month of May was batting 273. Oh boy. He's now batting 329. Oh. He's raised his batting average in two weeks of inconsistent playing time because he's a platoon guy. Yeah. He's raised his batting average 56 points. That is a lot. Um, I don't know how to react to that. That's insanity. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, even better, you get the little cherry on top of him being a Wisconsin native. So just adds a little extra um, yeah, the best part. fuel to the flame of how good Owen Miller has been over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. All right. Who is your power pitcher? Uh, I went with your boy, Joel Piamps. Um, three and two thirds innings pitch, only three hits, uh, one walk, one earned run, seven strikeouts. I also looked up his May. Uh, he's faced 35 batters. Um, he has only given up two earned runs, one walk, 14 strikeouts, and he's appeared in seven games. So 14 strikeouts and 35 batters face is disgusting. Only two earned runs given up is disgusting. And one was last night, I believe. Yeah. One, one of his earned runs was last night. Otherwise he only gave a one earned run this month Mm -hmm. and he's appeared in seven games. So, I mean, he's absolutely having a great May as well. The thing that stands out to me about that, honestly 14 strikeouts to one walk. Yeah. That's nasty. Yeah. 14 to 1K to walk ratio. Damn. He's been good, man. Absolutely. All right. So I went with Devin Williams. Um, He hasn't pitched often enough to really be, you know, in the, in the forefront of the Brewers bullpen. Um, Mm -hmm. Or the last week, he only made two appearances in two and two thirds of an inning. Um, 
only gave up one hit, no runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Uh, last night is probably the thing that uh, that really sealed the deal of, of Devin Williams being my power pitcher this week, uh, coming in to get the five-out save, yeah. um, which we'll talk about a little bit more when we get into last night's game. But who is your underrated performer for the week? So my underrated performer, I went with a guy named Bryce Terang. Um, Bryce Terang is 5 of 16 in the last <clears throat> five games. Two runs, three RBIs, and a massive home run with two outs that we will get into as well later. But in the month of May, he's 13 of 40. So he's batting 325 in May. So he's getting better. He's seeing the ball a little bit better. I looked up his strikeout percentages by month. In April, he was striking out 34%, which is not great, right? But you kind of expect the ups and downs with the rookies, right? We we told you before the season. We're going to tell you before the Badger season. There's going to be ups and downs, even with all the optimism. Packers season, we're going to tell you the same exact thing. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Ride the wave. Enjoy it. In May, he has taken it down 4%. He's down to 30% strikeout rate. So if he continues to put that in the right direction, yeah. continues to put the ball in play, he's got. he comes out of left field. Uh, he's a lefty batter, so he's already closer to first base. Just put the ball in play. He's got great speed, great instincts, continue to play great defense. I feel like Bryce is really carving out uh, a big role in Milwaukee, and I can see the value for a Bryce Terang. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I went with Peter Strzelecki. I wanted to give Peter Strzelecki some love after having a pretty rough Colorado series. Mm-hmm. Um, he made three appearances this week, um, three and a thirds innings, only gave up one hit, two walks, three strikeouts, and no earned runs. Uh, he got into a little bit of hot water last night, but um, the Brewers were able to get out of it. But I wanted to give Peter Strzelecki some love, mainly for um, bouncing back well after having a pretty rough Colorado series and yeah. for him to have pitched well since then. All right, let's get into right. this Royal Series. My man. Let's get into this Royal Series. Let's do it. Let's start with the first game. What stood out to you from the first game of the Royal Series? Well, just like tonight, they had to face our ace, um, Corbin Burns, and I think that he was good outside of the four walks. He's had a problem with walks this year, but yeah, um, it's, it's his cutter command is really the thing yeah. that, that dictates it. He and that's the craziest shit, man, because we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I was on is when he has the cutter going, he sideburns, right? Yep. When he doesn't have the cutter going, he's still a really good pitcher. Like yeah. let's let's not cut it any other way. He's still a very valuable pitcher that can right. get you a lot of wins and keep you in some ball games. Right. Um in this game as well, Yelly, Taylor, Anderson, and Miller, that's four different people with RBIs. I love when multiple people are contributing to the run support. This yeah. is the game where Miller got to put the cheese head on for the first time. And I gotta tell you, as a Wisconsin kid, that had to be an insane feeling. Yeah. First of all, hitting your first home run at home, right? You know, in the stadium that you grew up going to, and then putting on a cheese head afterwards. <laughs> I mean, talk about a freaking moment that you're never going to forget as a Wisconsin kid. So yeah. I'm really happy for him. Uh, Piams was absolutely destructive in this game. Uh, Strzelecki was very good in this game. And Piguero was also just disgusting our our bullpen has been really really good outside of one game this week in my opinion you take the one game out that's the one game that we lost we got all w's our bullpen has been fantastic and when we get into the game about last night dude i'm giving the bullpen tons of credit when we get to last night's game yeah um but even in this game look at this three three innings pitch only one hit they gave up one hit in three innings that's disgusting dude uh that that's how you win a lot of ball games five to one 
um, going against a, a guy like Zach Greinke, who, by the way, just joined a list of some elite guys uh, to strike out a, a thousand different batters, different right? players, yeah. Yeah, so that's impressive. Um, I love that he was Brewers. a Brewer and he's on that yeah. list. So, uh, yeah, that's what stood out. I have a Zach Greinke jersey, actually. He wore number 13, so it had to happen. I, I probably have the jersey tee somewhere, man. I have a box of old T-shirts from when I was younger, man. I mm-hmm. that thing. <laughs> I have I have a bunch of, like, jersey tees from my grandma. When she passed, I was given all of her old sports T-shirts. Oh. Did you see uh, uh, Taylor's yep, I comment? Huh. I don't – I haven't looked into it, so I'm not super yeah. sure that that's a thing. Um, but it could be. Yeah. So you, you mentioned – like having uh, liking having contributions mm-hmm. um, from everybody in the lineup. Yep. So let me throw this out to you. Every player was on base at least once. See, I love that. Five players were on twice or more. Yeah, that's that's when the Brewers' offense is humming, especially that's, this offense where they're being more patient. Right. That's that's where you're getting multiple hits in a row. Um, and stringing hits together. Okay, Taylor said they were talking about it on air. Well, I'm just going to give you insider information. Tyler and I don't really get to listen to the games very much with kids running around, so we basically just got to watch and kind of piece really, it. It really depends on the day. Like tonight's game, I'll probably watch like the first three innings, yeah. and then Courtney and the girls will get home, and I'll yeah. have it turned off, and I'll finish watching it tomorrow morning. Yeah. So like tomorrow or tonight's game, I should get to see all of it just – half today and half tomorrow but <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that bally does like replays with all the commercials cut out because that makes it easy to to watch the rest of the game the following morning for sure but uh okay so bottom of the first inning willie adamas gets on base steals second um gets the third base on the throw christian yelich bats him in and christian yelich then goes and steals a base like jake talked about christian yelich raising his on his uh his stolen bases Bottom of the fourth, Tyron Taylor drives a single in or a single drives in Brian Anderson. Bottom of the fifth, the Brewers go double, walk, ground out, walk, get the bases loaded with one out, and uh, Brian Anderson gets a tapper to the mound. It turns into a one, two, three double play. That's that's a really tough double play, and I want to give the Royals credit for it. Going from you know the pitcher to the plate, and then for the catcher to jump out in front of the plate. And make the throw to first. That's a that's a tough double play to turn. I will give the Royals credit for it. There's you know there's nothing um, nothing wrong with giving the Royals credit for making a tough play. No, not at all. Um, top of the sixth inning, Burns is just the second pitcher to go over a hundred pitchers this year for the Brewers. Oh wow! That, who's the other one? Do you know? Freddie Peralta. That makes probably could have guessed that. Yeah, I could have guessed that. Yeah. Um. Bottom of the second, or bottom of the sixth, sorry. Luke Voigt gets a single and then stole second base on a Rowdy Telez strikeout. Luke Voigt stole a base. Yeah. The audacity. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did get stranded there. Corbin Burns finished his night at six innings pitched with seven strikeouts and four walks, only two hits, but didn't give up any runs, so the walks didn't come back to hurt him, thankfully. Top of the seventh, Joel Pius, the only run that he allowed this week was a solo home run with two outs that made the game three to one. Um, bottom of the seventh, Owen Miller got his third hit of the day, um, was a triple short of the cycle in the first game of that Royal series. Mm. 
So great job by him. Uh, mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras, William Contreras, sorry, followed it up with a walk. Then a wild pitch got to the Brewers with second and third with nobody out. Uh, catcher interference loaded the bases with nobody out. Christian Yelich ripped an RBI single. Willie Adonis was thrown out at second after overrunning the stop sign. That's just kind of one of those things where you just got to, I don't know, Willie Adonis just has to be paying attention to his base coaches a little bit more. There's nobody out. So they were, um, didn't want to send the runner from third base to try to score a pair on Yelich's single. And, and Willie Adonis thought that they were going to send him and just overran second base and got thrown out there. Um, just kind of one of those things where you just got to be paying attention. Yeah. It happens because the baseball is a long season. But, uh, yeah, just, just kind of a lapse of attention there by Willie Adonis. Um, Brian Anderson followed up with an RBI single that made the Brewers 5-1 to one lead. Got Brian Anderson a little bit of redemption after the, the grounding into the double play with the bases loaded the previous inning. Mm-hmm. Top of the eighth, that's where Peter Strzelecki shined. 1-2-3, top of the eighth inning. Bottom of the eighth, Brewers go single – or, sorry, walk, single, walk. Got the bases loaded with two outs, left them stranded. The Brewers left 10 men on base in the first game of this series. Elvis Paguero came in, got a 1-2-3 top of the ninth inning, and that was all she wrote. So really, like Jake said, um, contributions by everybody in the first game of that Royal Series. Yeah, so I know we talk about players left on base a lot, but this is kind of that perspective kind of deal where, like, a lot of people were contributing – and we still had a 10 people left on base. Right. So that's the perspective where if you're just looking at the box score, you're going to be like, damn, man, they left 10 on base again. But you got to watch the game and understand right. the feel of the game to understand that. I'll just I mean, bases that. loaded being stranded twice, that's yeah. tough. Um, yeah. Grounding into a double play with the bases loaded, that's two more right there. I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's context in the game, like you're saying. You know, yeah. Like you said, it looks rough on the box score, but you watch the game, it's just a couple spots. Um and you know, I want to give I want to give actually Joe Barry some credit. This is a weird uh, tie-in to make here, but watching Joe Barry's interview yesterday, I feel this applies to to really all sports, um, mm-hmm. football one thousand percent. I do think it applies to baseball though. And Joe Barry, what he said was that it's really just five, six, or seven plays that determine the outcome. And you know, the Brewers had some of those opportunities um, that could have turned this into an eighteen to one win for the Brewers. But, you know, you settle for a 5-1 to one win with 10 guys left on base. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, I agree. So, let's go to game two. Let's throw it to you from the second game. <laughs> well, if we don't start by saying Yelich hit two home runs, <laughs> then, then we're doing it wrong, right? I have um, lots of Yelich stuff <laughs> with this one. Yeah. Uh, so, first of all, uh, uh, Adrian Hauser was back um, yes. for his second start, I believe. Yep. Um Four innings pitched, eight hits, uh, one walk, three earned runs, and two Ks. Uh, Hobie Milner had a good outing. He's been kind of rough up and down the last couple weeks, but yeah. he looked uh, – when did he pitch? Not last night, right? Yeah, it was last night. He pitched yeah. last night. He looked okay last night. The outing before that was again – oh, this is what I was talking about. Yeah, sorry. Put a star next to it because I wanted to talk about it. He looked better in this outing. Um Joel Piamps was good again. Your boy, Peter Strzelecki. Every time I see Peter Strzelecki, I'm just like, yeah, Tyler glued right now. <laughs> glued to the TV. Um, and and Devin Williams. are both becoming my guys. <laughs> right? Uh, Devin Williams, always phenomenal. He was good as well. Um, wanted to go over a couple things real quick here. First of all, Yelly's two home runs. First one was on a cutter 
that he missed uh, middle middle of the plate. Second one was on a sinker. He also missed a little bit high. Um, so Yelly just absolutely destroying when pitchers are making mistakes, and that that is okay. Two of his three RBIs were with two outs. That's what you'd like to see from a guy who's a former MVP candidate trying to yeah. become that again. Um, gonna go over how the Brewers got this win because it was the second walk-off win of the year, second one, second one by a rookie. Um, first of all, it started out Anderson with a hit, solid hit, opposite field, love it. I'll, I'll take those all day long. Um, Terang, he had an all right at bat, but he ended up flying out. Now, the man of the hour, Miller time, baby. He hits a clutch double. Now we have second and third with one out. Weimer has one job. Go yep. out there and make good contact. With the ball he on the ground. does exactly that. You know, and, and that's easier said than done, right? Oh, yeah. But for a guy, Joey Weimer, to be in that position, rookie year, um, a team that's been kind of up and down, but he goes up there and he just smacks it to deep center and the Brewers walk Literally. away with a series win. Yeah, that, that, That's how easy it is, man. We'll just have Yelly hit two home runs. We'll have our bullpen be amazing, and then we'll just hit walk-off sack flies. Who's going to argue with that, right? <laughs> wins are wins. They don't ask how. They ask how many. Exactly. Man. Which is why when we get to the first game of the Cardinal series, I'm going to say what I what I tweeted out on Monday after that game. But I see. So the Royals start this game with a leadoff double. The Royals get one run. Um, what's up, James? The Royals get a run out of it. Top of the second inning, they get more traffic, but don't get any more runs out of it. Um, top of the third inning, a 2-0 double. Um, sorry, two 2-0 doubles make it a 2-0 lead for Kansas City. Um, on the bottom of the third, Bryce Terang led off with an, uh, a leadoff single and then two short strikeouts. Sorry, flyouts. Two short flyouts. And then Christian Yelich comes up, ties the game 2-2. Two two. He absolutely launched that first home run. The second one was good, but the first one was a monstrous home run. Mm-hmm. Left the bat at 110 miles an hour. God damn. Yeah, he didn't miss it. I'll say 427 that. feet. I had to feel good, bro. I've Oh, man, I bet it felt amazing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, after that, top of the fifth inning, um, Salvador Perez, solo home run, made a 3-2 to game. Colby Milner in. Comes in, gives up a double, doesn't give up any hits. Or the Brewers, sorry, don't give up any hits for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to give Owen Miller a little bit of credit, too, for playing third base and making a really nice catch along the netting in foul territory. Owen Miller, dude, that guy is – he's quickly becoming a fan favorite. I Absolutely. Him being from Wisconsin helps, but – It definitely helps. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Adrian Hauser's line. It's mm-hmm. not a great start. It's also not a terrible start. Um, he's a guy who does give up a lot of contact. So some of those balls are going to find holes, especially with the new shift rules this year. Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that he'll have to adjust to. It's only his second start. So I'm not, I'm not worried that Adrian Hauser is not going to be, you know, better as he gets more starts. Bottom of the fifth inning, there definitely became some questionable strike calls. Um, it is what it is. Bottom of the sixth inning, Christian Yelich again, ties the game. This one was only only... 105 miles an hour off the bat. <laughs> um, the thing that I did notice about Christian Yelich's two home runs is when he hit him to two different areas. Mm-hmm. He had one to left field and one to right field using both sides of the outfield. So that's something that stood out to me with Christian Yelich. Um, 
Joel Piams, the thing that stood out to me with the two strikeouts that he had in the seventh inning, just nasty sliders. And then Peter Strzelecki comes in and does the same thing, strikes out the side with a bunch of nasty sliders. So now you've had two straight innings where the last six outs, five of them have been strikeouts and a bunch of nasty sliders coming in your way. And then you have to face Devin Williams. Good luck. (laughs) And the thing with Devin Williams was he was doing a great job of changing speeds. He was Mm -hmm. throwing a bunch of change-ups and then striking guys out with fastballs. Yeah, he's been really good this year with changing eye levels as well. That too, yes. Very good point. Absolutely good point. Mm -hmm. Um, So Christian Yelich with his two home runs, that was his ninth multi-home run game, the fourth multi-home run game by a Brewer this season. And something we didn't (laughs) ready. Sheesh. Shit. Two of them happened in the same game. Brian Anderson and Garrett Mitchell both did it in the True. same game, the game that I was at, which was really fun to be at. And then Rowdy Telez was the other one. Yeah. Um, so that and the thing we didn't mention with with Christian Yelich, um, his launch angle through the month of May is his highest since a single month since 2019. These are all positives, and I like it. I got another one for you. Oh. Christian Yelich with this game was on base. 20 times or sorry on base twice 20 times so far in 2023 oh wow that is an important stat to throw around i think he did it 79 times in 2022 that was seventh most in major league baseball and he already has 20 so far huh already yes i like now that was not just the national league that was seventh most in baseball of games on base twice or more. Interesting. And he's done it 20 times so far this year. Definitely. Dude, that is a nasty stat. I like that one. I like that one. Like I said, that's a good one to throw around when people are dogging him, man. Dude, I keep telling people he's getting on base and he's playing defense. Like, anything else he gives us is really just going to be – Pleasant surprises. I shouldn't say surprises because he's done it. But um, so, is there anything else you want to say about the second game? No. Good times. Right. <laughs> yes. Let's go to let's go to the third game, the finale of the series. What's it out to you from game three? Ah, uh, a couple things here. Uh, first of all, Colin Ray. He was all right. Uh, he got banged up a little bit, but um, <clears throat> Colin Ray, three and two thirds innings pitch, six hits. Uh, two walks, four and runs, three Ks, gave up a home run. Um, I'm going to talk about the home runs because that is Eric Lauer's problem so far yeah. this season. Um, Eric Lauer, five and a third, two hits, both of them home runs, two walks. Again, his two earned runs were both home runs, but six Ks. If Lauer, and I said this before, his stuff has to bite because he doesn't have overpowering stuff. He's not going to blow stuff past you. I mean, just in the Royal Series alone, they brought in back-to-back guys. One was Chapman. I forgot the name of the other guys. Uh, that could throw 100 miles per hour. So 100 miles per hour is like – that's a thing nowadays for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, I just saw a video of a, a high school kid. I believe it was in Korea. And he's already throwing 95 in high school. Dude, high school. <laughs> that's disgusting. The kid's going to be throwing 104 when he gets to the major. Right. But uh, – Lauer, Lauer has to have stuff that 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 bites it and, and and moves a ton. Like he has to have the Devin Williams, you know, yeah. change up. Um, 
or he just has to be a guy that just hits his locations. And the zoom ball. Yeah, he, he, has, to, he has to be one or the ball. other. Yeah, he has to be one or the other. He has to yep. either have a lot of movement or hit his spots. Um, and when he misses, people don't miss his stuff. But I still have confidence in him because I've seen him do it before yep. with this same stuff. So yep. um, I'm cheering for you, Lauer. He got the win in this game. Yep. So I really hope that he can right the ship because I see his value on this team as well. Now we get to the RBIs. Yelly, two of them again, another home run. This one in the first inning. Apparently he was still feeling himself from the night before. Just wanted to keep that going. Up to seven home runs now and 23 RBIs. I mean, just keep complaining about the guy. That's all I'm going to say. Apparently it's fueling him. He's he's going to have a 20-30 season. I feel it. He's going to have I feel it too. 30 stolen bases at the end of the year. And people are going to be like, damn, he hit all that? And, yeah, and if, he, if he gets around 75 to 80 RBIs, there's absolutely – and he still plays the good defense, the elite defense. There'd and be no he's leading the team in runs scored. Yeah. He's a leadoff hitter. So Think about he's not a guy that should have super high RBI numbers because he's a leadoff hitter. Right. But if he said – like if you said he's only – if he's in that 75 to 80 RBI range, I mean, for a leadoff hitter, that's fantastic, especially for a guy who's going to be scoring 75 right. to 80 runs. Right. Um. Then we get to uh, we get to Terang. Uh, the Brewers had a seven-run third inning, and Terang capped it off with a three-run homer, two on, two out. I was man, I was watching the game, and I was just like, "Bro, just get a hold of one, baby, get a hold of one, baby." And then you know, me and my baby, we're jumping up and down because he smacked one to right field, baby, and I was so hype. Um, he's up to twelve RBIs now, his third home run as a Brewer, uh, Brousseau with two outs in the seventh inning, hits a home run, just a solo shot this time. Owen Miller also added to the RBI train. So four guys contributing, three guys hitting home runs. Bryce Terang's home run, though, that was that was a sweet spot in the game for me. For me, it was Christian Yelich's home run. But the, the Royals started this game uh, Mother's Day, by the way. Yeah. Uh, top of the first inning, another solo home run. He hit it with two outs. Um that was the 13th straight game by Kansas City with a home run. Holy shit. That's their second longest streak in franchise history for the Royals. So we're dropping Royal stats now. That's where we're going. Well, here, I'm, I'm doing it to offer some context okay. because, you know, the Brewers got back on track by sweeping the Royals and people are like, oh, it's just the Royals, the feeble Royals, the lowly Royals. Like, they're still smacking home runs. Yeah. Like, their, their offense has overall not been great, but it's it's been decent at times. Mm-hmm. So this was their 13th straight game with a home run. That said, bottom of the first inning, Christian Yelich hits his third game tying home run in two days. Both of his home runs in the second game of the series were tying home runs, as yep, was yep. this one to tie the game one to one. Now, this one left the bat faster than either of the two on the night before. Goddamn. 113.5 miles an hour off the bat of Christian Yelich. Man. Here's why this stands out so strongly to me. Okay. That is the third hardest hit ball of his career. Holy shit. I like it. This guy is an MVP. Yeah. Just say that. He okay. hit 44 home runs four years ago. Yeah. Wow with half a month on the injured list. True. So top of the second inning, Kansas City gets some more traffic. Um, Witt, their leadoff hitter, gets a two-out, two-RBI double. He's a solid player. Like, 
Yeah, he's good. No, he's no shit. <laughs> he's got some hair flow going, so you know. He's got the swag. <laughs> yeah. Top of the third inning, Kansas City gets a leadoff single, another single, and then a uh, Perez advanced the third on the bad throw after the catch. Um, and then a walk loads the bases. Kansas City gets a sack fly that makes the game four to one. Colin Ray comes out of the game after three and two thirds innings, gives up six hits, two walks, did have three strikeouts and gave up four earned runs. So not a great start for Colin Ray. He's he's got some good stuff. I'm confident that Colin Ray can be a good pitcher. Mm-hmm. It just he just hasn't put it all together yet. Agreed. Um if if the Brewers can bring that out of him, I mean that's just the Brewers pitching lab's going to be back at it. He's got the stuff to strike guys out. I saw it during the Angel series when he's out there striking out Shohei Otani, making him and, swing yeah. out of his helmet, literally yeah. swing out of his helmet, striking out Mike Trout in the same inning. Uh, I, it's there for Colin Ray. It's there. It's just it's just got to be seized. It's got to all be done at the same time, uh, limiting the walks and obviously the home runs. Um, that's going to be the challenge for Colin Ray. But I see an avenue where Colin Ray can succeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope it happens, obviously, for him as the person, but also for the Brewers as a franchise. Um, if, if they can just crank out another starting pitcher, that could be, you know, a, a third pitcher for another team, and he's our sixth guy. I mean, that's, that's just a luxury uh, at that <laughs> point. Right. But bottom of the third inning, that's where this game gets broken open. Uh, Tyrone Taylor leads off of the walk, came back from being down 1-2 in the count. Uh, Joey Weimer draws a walk. Christian Yelich knocks an RBI single, steals second base, and then advances on the throwing error, which Joey Weimer scores on. And then um, Christian Yelich advances to third, then sees the ball roll away and is like, fuck it, I'm gone, and takes off and scores. And then, so and then, that's the best part. He gives the are you not entertained <laughs> after he scores. <laughs> For that's that's one of those things where speed kills on the bases. This is an impact that is made that Rowdy Telez is not making that. Yeah, no offense, Rowdy, but no, no, exactly. No offense to Rowdy, but right. I mean, this is something that Christian Yelich is giving you in addition to anything else that he's giving you. Mm-hmm. He's giving you havoc on the base paths. Um, so I wanted to point that out. You're making um, me think now, you're making me think now. That might have been cooler than the Terang home run. I'm not sure. They were both awesome. Same it's it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I know this is not a word, but it's funner to watch Christian Yelich like scamper to second base, steal the base, and then run to third on the bad throw. He steamer score, and then the ball rolls away, and Yelich is like, Poof. and it's like ah oh ah ah like yeah, it's crazy one of sequence where it just keeps getting better every time the Royals are throwing the ball around, and the Royals manager has just got to be like in the dugout. And stomping on it. It's uh it's like one of those moments in basketball, right? Where a guy has the ball and he looks like he's gonna shoot, he's like, don't shoot, don't shoot. He shoots it and it's cash, and you're just like, it just happened, bro. <laughs> but that's something that cuts a lead from two runs uh to one run. Yeah. So entertaining play for sure. Um, and then Jesse Winker starts it over, draws a walk. Uh, Willie Adamas flies out for the first out of the inning. Rowdy Telez knocks a single. Owen Miller just getting another hit. <laughs> Owen Miller hits a double, makes the game 5-4. 
Victor Caratini pops out for the second home or for the second out before Bryce Durang launched that homer that Jake mentioned. And then Tyrone Taylor, the guy who started the inning, makes the third out. So the Brewers batted all the way around in that third inning. Um, mm-hmm. And then Jake mentioned the bottom of the seventh, Mike Brasso, pinch hitting extraordinaire. Yeah. It's another pinch hit home run, just like he does. Um, I don't know what it is that, like, if we can just have Mike Brasso uh, just pinch hit every game. And just, just have him hit 45 dingers on the season, just all on pinch hits. Literally just keep him on the roster for a pinch hitter. That literally that's it. You if you if you <laughs> get a couple outs by throwing somebody year. out, that's fine. He was like, I think he was like nine of sixteen last year, pinch hitting, and had like five home runs and like twelve yeah. RBI as a pinch hitter. Because I know stupid. he hit a grand slam against the Mets last year as a pinch hitter, and it was yeah, awesome. It's so dumb. Like, why is he doing that? <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's doing it for us, so I'll take it. Right. Um, right. So, <laughs> top of the ninth, you did mention the, the solo home runs that Lauer gave up, made the final nine to six. Um, so, Lauer finished with five and a third innings, two hits, six strikeouts, two walks, and two earned runs. If he were to start this game and you list that as a starter, that like, hey, Eric Lauer in this start pitched five and a third innings, only gave up two hits, did have two walks, Gave up a couple solo shots for two earned runs and had six strikeouts. That's a damn good start for Eric Lauer. I agree. It happened to be that he came in in the middle of the fourth inning and mm-hmm. finished the game. So still a very good stat line for Eric Lauer for this game. Um, Mike Brasso hit the pinch hit home run. Christian Yelich was two for four. Uh, Bryce Terang, um had the three RBI with the home run. Now this game, this game produced a whole bunch of stats too. And I texted you this, that I'm like, I like it when the Brewers win because you get juicier stats. And I got a bunch for you to go with this Royal Series. So this was the third sweep for the Brewers in 2023. They only had four all of last season. I knew you were going to bring that one up because I knew I was like, he's bringing up the sweep stat. I knew I'm bringing it up. (laughs) Now, the Brewers are also 35 and 21 on Mother's Day now. Oh, that is the best record in Major League Baseball on Mother's Day. So the Brewers like playing for the moms. Bill Hall, baby. Uh, somebody said it in, in the, the Brewers writers chat that I'm in that they were surprised that they didn't bring in Bill Hall just to like throw out the first pitch or something. Bro, he always has to throw out the first pitch. Only on Mother's Day. Always first pitch on Mother's Day because that was like the greatest Bill moment. Oh, got to be pink because like, you know. That would be the, the pink bat, Bill Hall. That's that's legendary stuff in yes, Brewers baseball mythology. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> I got – Two more yet. The Brewers had zero men left on base in this game, despite scoring nine runs. Zero left on base. That's the 11th time in franchise history that they've had zero men left on base. That's the fifth time that they've won with with zero men left on base. The last time they did it was June 17th, 2008. So it's been almost 15 years since the Brewers left zero men on base and got a win. Interesting. I like that. This one goes back even farther. So, the third game of the Royal Series, since 1930, there have been four games of nine-plus runs and zero left on base. The last time it happened was April 8th, 2002. Wow, that's a good one. I like that. That's a good one. 
All right. That's all I got. I just I just got that handful of juicy stats. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Now we got we gotta do the shitty game. Yeah, we gotta get it out of the way. And listen, like however however you wanna go through this is what it is. Um the the home run that Freddie Peralta gave up to Nolan Arenado was only the fifth home run he's allowed all season. Um and then Goldschmidt gave the Cardinals a four nothing lead early. Um and you know, I'll say this because I've said similar things to this. Um, basically, what I looked at this was that hopefully this is one of those games where a team just annihilates the Brewers in a game and the Brewers win the other two and win the series. Yeah. I will take a series win over an 18 to 1 victory every single time. I'm waiting for the Brewers to win tonight so I can go back to the post at Sports Center Aid or ESPN. And they said, not your typical baseball score. And they shared the score of the Brewers and the Cardinals. And I'm waiting to be like, are you guys going to share that we won the series or just going to point out that we lost one yeah, game? Yeah. Um, the tough thing for this is um, Gus Varland being DFA'd. Yeah. Tough spot. He pitched well to start the season, yeah. kind of got into a little bit of a bumpy area, then got hurt came back and just wasn't able to to regain the solid pitching that he had given up um, or that he had had before his uh, kind of the wheels came off a little bit on him and then he got hurt. Um, it's, you know, it's tough. It's weird things, home runs, uh, left on base, um the Brewers did have three straight singles in the top of the eighth inning to get on uh, to get on the board. Owen Miller just another hit, like he yeah. does. That's all he does. Bro. Um, and then the game just kind of got out of control after that. I don't know if there's really anything else you want to say about it. They they whooped our ass. They hit the ball a bunch of times. They hit the ball over the fence a bunch of times. They our pitching was not great. It is what it is, man. I'm totally on board with that frame of mind of let's take two out of three exactly the mindset you exactly. come in with with every series let's take two yep. out of three get a series win get a series right. win and that's the thing win. like if you if you want to score more runs over the course of those three games and have it all based on one game i'll take the two wins every single time 100 percent. if you can guarantee like if somebody would come up to me and be like you're playing the cardinals you're gonna lose one game get your ass whooped you're only gonna lose one game in the series I would take that 100 out of 100. I'm not even shitting you. I don't and even care if we win the next thing. two games one to zero. I don't care. That's exactly what I was about to get at care. because the Brewers won three to two last night. And we're in a position where, like, if somebody comes up and says, like you said, comes up to you, says you're going to lose one game of the series, you're going to win three to two, you're going to win, say the Brewers win three to one today. Yeah. You're going to be outscored in the series, what that would be 21. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To seven, but you're going to win two out of three. I don't care. Give me the dubs. Give me the, give me the wins. Absolutely. The, the, the run score doesn't get you into the playoffs. I mean, in certain situations, it does. But yeah, it's kind of a tiebreaker, but the wins yeah, matter but, more. Give me the wins. And the yep. Brewers, you know, since talking about the playoffs, I saw that we have a – they gave us an 81% chance to make the playoffs at this point in the season. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, give me all the wins in our – give me all the three to twos. Give Guar- me all the, the – I guarantee you it was not 81% two months ago and before the season was started. Agreed. Give me give me that – give me all the three to Probably twos. Probably more like 51. All right, so let's go to game two. What's it all to you from last night's game? I'm going to I'm gonna leave most of the heavy lifting with the bullpen for you, but good God, I am just yeah. so impressed, man. Uh, Baguero, uh, Milner, Piam, Strzelewski, Williams. I mean, those are, those are the guys. Those are the horses, right? Yeah. Um, absolutely phenomenal job. Um, Anderson. Uh, with another home run, Weimer, what a clutch home run to tie the game at two to two. Yep. Let me just say that. And he squared up on that son of a bitch. He hit it. He hit it a Ooh. little bit right field, but mostly center. Um, yeah. Adamas with an RBI, but the bullpen really, really needs um, the the congratulations in this game. Yeah. And I feel like this is where people that hate on Craig Council, this is where they need to give him his flowers. And the other the other game that I'll say that kind of fits that description is the first game of that Royal series where you look at the lineup and you see that everybody was on base and that mm-hmm. five guys were on base more than twice. Like those are the games where Craig Council needs some credit for how he put together the lineup. Yeah. I was really waiting to give him credit, man. I was like, I have it written down. Give Craig Council his flowers, man. Cause 
you know, when you're put in a really shitty, shitty situation with with Miley Wade Miley, who's been one of our better starting pitchers to start this season, arguably the best, arguably, arguably the best. Um, probably him and Freddie, I would say, would be the, the argument right now. Maybe Burns. Um, but when when you get in a shitty situation where after one and two thirds you have your starter leaving the game, you're not prepared for that. That's the mm-hmm. stuff that you got to figure out on the fly. But a guy who has managed the most games in Brewers history, won the most games in Brewers history, and ejected in the most games. I in was Brewers waiting history. for you to bring it up. I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, he's been around the block a few times. He's won a couple of World Series. This guy knows baseball. So stop dragging. You know, we're gonna stop dragging this guy. We're gonna stop dragging Kristen Yelich. We're just going to enjoy Brewers baseball for what it is, and we're going to be thankful, you know, on this Gratitude Wednesday. Let's show some gratitude for for Craig Council, a guy who a who's one. also a hometown kid, right? Just the oh my god, just how beautiful this is! One and two thirds, one and two thirds, one and a third, one and two thirds, one and a third, one and two thirds. Like just being able to put those guys in the right spots and push the right buttons in that yeah. game in a game where after you just got your ass whooped, right? Like let's call it what yep. it is. We got our ass whooped. We played really good in the Royal Series. We go to St. Louis, a team that is usually up, right? Where we, we came to the year, we're like, we're fighting with St. Louis. That's yep. what we were thinking. We both said it. Yep. And now you got the Cardinals down. You don't want to give them confidence. You They've been surging the right before this series, too. They had won five of six coming into this series, oh, six right. or seven when you include Monday's game. So for us to to go in there and he's just hitting everything correctly, masterful job by Craig Council. Craig Council masterclass. Yes. I'm with it. So Owen Miller's leading this game off. Christian Yelich dealing with some back tightness, but they're facing left-handed pitching, so they're going to mm-hmm. keep giving him days off just to avoid the lefty-lefty. And then the Brewers have an off day tomorrow, so that gives them three days of rest. I would expect, barring anything more severe, that Christian Yelich will be back in the lineup on Friday. But Owen Miller leading this game off, hits another double. The dude just keeps hitting. <laughs> That's fine with me. <laughs> um, William Thomas followed up with another double. Got him in, made it a one nothing game. Arenado ties it. I hate the Rockies. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I don't feel bad that Bryce Harper made fun of them now because I hate the Rockies for trading Nolan Arenado to the Cardinals for a bag of peanuts. Yeah, really? What the hell was that? I don't know. It's the devil magic that the Cardinals have. I don't know. I'm they got gold it for, for not a lot either. I, I mean, agree. Zach Gallon is a, is a boss, but. I mean, you had two of the three top players for an NL MVP last year on the same team. Yeah, this that, man, that's even more credit to the bullpen for going through this lineup. This okay. is this I'll is get no... to it because some guys do some pretty nasty stuff in this game. So <clears throat> Wade Miley gets hurt. He has a left lat strain. They are expected to put him on the injured list. They did, and they recalled Jake Cousins. So hopefully Cousins can stick in the bullpen a little bit this time. But he's got some competition. Fucking he does. So Elvis Paguero, he needs a lot of credit. Um, you know, in addition to Craig Council for putting, you know, being in this tough spot. Elvis Paguero coming in in the bottom of the third inning. Man. Like that's you're not you're thinking I'm probably not pitching for another two innings if I'm pitching today. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things about being a bullpen pitcher that's so tough. And you put Devin Williams as one of your underrated performers because it's such a, a you know, you don't know if you're pitching that day. Right. Not to mention you don't know if you're coming in in the third inning True. or the second inning even. So he comes in in a tough spot, pitches an inning in a third scoreless. That's fantastic work by Elvis Paguero. Uh Milner came in after that, gave up a couple of two-out hits, made the game two-to-one. But I want to give some credit to Bryce Terang in the top of the fifth inning. 
because he did um, he did fly out in this at bat, but he started down 0-2 and did come back to make it a 3-2 count before flying out. Um, so I wanted to give Bryce Duran credit for, like you said, uh, lowering that strikeout rate, putting the ball in play with a guy with his speed that's only going to mean good things for him in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, after that is when Joey Weimer unleashed a monstrous home run to straightaway center field, made the game 2-2. Two to two. Owen Miller followed up with another hit. And then Wilson Contreras, uh, William Contreras, dang it. Um, William Contreras and William Adams got on base. And then um, with bases loaded with one out, Brewers went strikeout, fly out, uh, weren't able to get any additional runs after the Joey Weimer home run. Then bottom of the fifth inning, Cardinals are coming off, leaving the bases loaded stranded for the Brewers. And Joel Piamps has to face Lance Newtbar, Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado in this inning. Strikes yes. out Newtbar, strikes out Goldschmidt, gives up a walk, and then strikes out Nolan Arenado. I like what that. A boss. Yeah. What a boss, Yoel Piamps. <laughs> Dude should have walked off like Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> That's that takes some nuts to to go through those guys and strike them all out. Um, top of the sixth inning, that's when Brian Anderson first pitch of the at bat, just a hanging curveball, just launches it almost the exact same spot as Joey Weimer, makes it a three-two game, which would be the final score. Bryce Durang did follow that up with his second hit of the night. Uh, bottom of the sixth inning, Piamp still in, strikes out Paul DeYoung. Gets a little bit of traffic on the bases and then gets another strikeout to get out of it. Dude pitched two innings and five strikeouts. That's pretty good. Piamps has got the dog in him. Yeah, yeah, he does. Big fan, if you can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) Get to the bottom of the seventh inning. Peter Suzlecki pitches a scoreless inning. Bottom of the eighth, Peter Strzelecki got one out, did get some traffic in, and then Devin Williams came in for a five-out save. Um, before we get to the bottom of the ninth inning, top of the ninth inning, Bryce Terang made himself a three-hit game, so great job by him uh, getting that batting average up. Bottom of the ninth, Devin Williams did get a little bit of traffic. Um, Joey Weimer misplayed a ball in center field. It's not the end of the world. The dude's been playing amazing defense. Yeah. Just made one misplay, just kind of overran the ball a little bit. Uh, and after that, Devin Williams gave up a walk, but closed the door, gave the Brewers their first five-out save in a game closer than three runs since Drew Pomeranz in 2019. Oh, wow. A lot of 2019 stuff coming out this episode, huh? Hey, I'm I'm here for it. So <laughs> that's where we're at. Uh, the Brewers play tonight in a little less than two hours, but uh-huh. they play tonight in St. Louis, and then they have three games at Tampa Bay. And then three games versus Houston between now and next Wednesday. We will be at Monday's game. We will be. We'll be there. We will be there. Come find us. We're not just going to be there in attendance. We are going to be there as Wisco Fanatics presenting ourselves to Brewers fans. And uh, we'll be there with Mental Health America. We, again, I'm I'm just going to keep saying thank you because they've done a lot of prep work for this for us. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'm just going to. I'm gonna say one thing that that might <clears throat> that might give some information away, but the amount of money that I heard that they spent on the stuff that we're giving away was just mind-boggling to me. I was like, "What? 
why did you <laughs> what that I, just to me that makes me feel good about the work that we're putting in that's it makes kind of where i was gonna go. mindset but if that's people believing in us and our vision and honestly oh god i feel it makes me give me heavily like a nervous feeling but like i'm also like proud of it you know i don't know how to explain it but I, i'm thank you that's all i gotta say it's and I don't want to be the kind of like the pat on our own back type person, but like we had to have made, you know, a good impression for them to be willing to invest in us like this. Right. And they've, they've known us for what, a month and a half. Right. That's, you know, it's not like we've been friends for years, but it does, it does kind of seem like that with, with how willing they have been to, to help us with it. So it was the comic relief. I think it's, I mean, <laughs> Hey, if, if we can't be anything, you know, you know, influence for good. We at least want people to have a good time when we're watching our show. So I had a post on Facebook. If you don't follow my personal page, I like to post a lot of uh, inspiring stuff, sports stuff. Basically what they show is, is I try to inspire and I just talk about sports. That's like literally who I am as a human being. And this one was simple, but it was right to the point. And it's, it's the world needs more good people, more kind people. And if you can't find one, be one. And there's no truer words to live by than just be a kind person. If you can't find one, be the kind person that somebody finds that day and help uplift other people. And I promise you, if you do something for somebody else and you make them feel good, uh, it'll make you feel so good about yourself. Like the rest of your day is just going to go fantastic. Yeah. All right. You ready to get into some Bucks news? I just, I got some extra Bucks news that's going to be, Oh. Gonna have to add into our uh, our discussion that we can kind of toss in here because these are two names that I did not have on my list. Yeah, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm trying to. Jake and I here. we ranked. This was updated as per yesterday because obviously we have to do you know some in advance preparation for the show and we've gotten more news since the show started about more mm-hmm. candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jake and I have eight names that we've ranked from um, one to eight. And I think we're going to start from eight and go up. Yep. But um, the eight we've we've discussed and looked at and ranked so far: Charles Lee, Mark Jackson, James Borrego, Kenny Atkinson, Scott Brooks, Adrian Griffin, Chris Quinn, and Kevin Young. Those are the eight we have so far. Now, Adrian Wojnarowski has tweeted well within the last hour that uh, the Bucks have interviewed with Washington Wizards assistant Joseph Blair for the franchise's coaching job. Blair won a 2019 G League title with Rio Grande Valley before advancing as an NBA assistant with the Wizards, Timberwolves, and 76ers. So that's one. This one is the one that's a little more exciting to me. ESPN sources say the University of Houston coach Kelvin Sampson interviewed for the Milwaukee Bucks coaching job. Oh, okay. That 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 name holds a little weight. That name holds a little weight, man. A little bit. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, so we'll probably be doing this every week until the coach is hired, uh, ranking the the interviewed coaches so far. Uh, Frank Vogel is going to be added to this list next week. Um, so let's start with number eight. Give me your number eight. Uh, doesn't have to be super in-depth on why you have guys where they are. Um, we can get a little more in-depth as we go up the list. But start with your number eight. Uh, I know we have the same one. But um, I have Kevin Young. Um, yeah. He's just the guy I know the least about. and have the least amount of confidence in. I went for, I went from confidence level for my, my, my numbers. Okay. Like who would I feel more confident in leading this team? Yeah. I have a feeling the two guys that were in your top three that both got interviewed are probably going to be towards the top of your list, but 
I won't. Uh, just because I trust I my work, I won't speculate. <laughs> uh, number eight, work. I also have Kevin Young. If we're already kind of on the fence about Monty Williams, uh, I don't know how super confident I feel in his lead assistant. Uh, and that's again, like Jake said, I'm not I'm not very familiar with him either to know how much influence he really had on any of the Phoenix teams that he's been an assistant on, or whether that influence was more from Monty Williams. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if Kevin Young has interviewed for a lot of other previous head coaching jobs, like a guy like Adrian Griffin, who I'll just say is my number seven, uh, is a guy who's interviewed for several head coaching openings. Um, he's basically in the same situation as Charles Lee, same position that Darvin Ham was in, where he had interviewed for multiple positions as an assistant before getting a head coaching job. I said it uh, last week. I said it when Jake and I did our show um, when Mike Budenholzer was fired that Charles Lee is going to be a head coach in 2023 where remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. So number seven, mine is Adrian Griffin. Um, I'm not super high on Nick nurse just because of things that, that I've seen from Toronto since their championship. Um, I did have a former Toronto assistant, but he's a guy who left after the championship season. That's Sergio Scariolo. He is a European coach. So if you're looking for somebody who is going to try to connect European basketball to our European superstar, Sergio Scariolo, I feel like is a guy who carries a little bit of weight potentially with Giannis in that aspect. But other than that, I'm not super high on one of Nick Nurse's um, current assistants before he was let go from Toronto. So Adrian Griffin is my number seven. I also have Adrian Griffin as my son, number seven. Uh, Nick Nurse, coaching tree. I'm also not high on Nick Nurse from things that I've read and looked up. So it's kind of where I'm at with him. All right. Who's your number six? Um, James Paguero. Wait, James Borrego? Yeah, Borrego. Sorry. Sorry, Ooh. James Borrego. Yeah, that's why I have my number six. Um, just not super impressed, I guess is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I'm not going to say that he can't coach, but um, I haven't. the guys that I have above him, I have above him for a reason. He's kind of the best of the worst. In my, in my I'll, I'll give you a spoiler alert. He just missed the cut for being in my top three candidates overall. I remember. All right. So my number six, that's where I have Mark Jackson. Probably going to hurt you a little bit. I, I, I really do agree with the quote that I brought up from basketball index when we did our original um, coaching candidates episode Mm -hmm. about the, you know, the, the availability of coaches is full of retread coaches for a reason. uh, And that good head coaching is a scarcity. Um, you know, there's not a ton of, of Greg Popovich is just waiting in the wings or Eric Spolstra is just waiting to be grabbed or Luke Fickle is an example. There's not, you know, a ton of guys just waiting to be scooped up from a different situation and put into the perfect one. Um, I will say if these, if there, you know, there's rumors that this is an interest, but it's not really anything that can be substantiated because he's still employed by his former team or his current team, I should say, I shouldn't even say former is Ty Luke. He's a guy that would probably immediately rocket towards the top of my list, but there has been no conversation. There has been no permission given. There has been no connection, and he's still currently employed. So I'm not going to speculate on Ty Lu because until he is even potentially available, it's literally just a waste of time. Sorry. Like, I get I that people really, really want Ty Lu, but until there is at least some shred of possibility, it's a waste of time to speculate on it. 
clearly the Clippers still want Ty Lue too. So, <laughs> right. So that. my my number six is Mark Jackson. He's just another kind of one of those retread guys that I just I feel that there are more optimistic feeling options out there, and I would be okay with switching him with my number five, which I have Scott Brooks as my number five. I'd be perfectly fine switching those two around. But I do have more optimism with the guys that I have in my top four. But who is your number five? I have Scott Brooks. Um, All right. I have Scott Brooks uh, above James because Scott Brooks has competed. He's been in the finals. He's coached the team to the finals. Um, He understands how to deal with superstars. Uh, He's had a couple on his team. So dealing with those kind of personalities, um, people always give credit to Kerr. Like, oh, Kerr's this great coach. And I agree. He's a good coach. But when you have a certain level of talent, it makes it a little bit easier. Let me so this is analogy just came to my mind is like Mark Jackson set the table. Mm-hmm. Like all all Steve Kerr had to do was sit down and eat. Pretty much. Not to say that Steve Kerr isn't a good eater, but the table was set for him. I agree. Okay. Who's your number four? Oh, you you just okay. So you We're, just said okay. you, I'm, you I'm gonna let each of us keep going. You like you'll go five four. I'll go four three. You'll go three okay. two. I'll go two one, and then you give me your number one. We'll just keep stepping okay. it up. Um, so my number four is Kenny Atkinson, a guy from the Steve Kerr tree, right? Um, I feel like I said he he's he's a guy like Charles Lee, where he's been kind of waiting for the right opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have taken the Hornets job if I remember yep. correctly last year, but he was kind of like eh. And then the NBA, you know, with the draft lottery that has happened last night, they're kind of like. Do we want to send Webby there? Do we? This guy's a generational talent. The best one since uh, LeBron. Um, do we want him stuck in Charlotte? No. And I don't care what anybody says. The NBA draft lottery is rigged. It is rigged as hell. They need to show that shit live for me to understand that it's not rigged. Didn't okay? they do it live? Come on, man. Come on. They, they don't really do it live. Come on. Do you – okay, so do you this know, year. like, how the lottery works? It kind of works reversed to how I thought it did. How so? So when they start with number they start with number 15. Yeah. The it's not that the teams that have like the the best odds at getting the number 1 pick have like the most balls for the number 1 pick. It's the teams that have like the 15th best record, they have the most balls in for the number 15 pick. Oh. And then they count up as opposed to going from 1 to 15 like that. Okay, that makes sense. It's a, it's a little bit different. It, I mean, outside of changing the ping pong balls, I don't really see how it could be rigged. And, you know, like, it's going to be weird things sometimes. But, like, I mean, we're talking San Antonio. I mean, it's it's a it's a storied franchise, but it's not, and it's not an L.A. team. It's not a New York team. It's not a Miami. It's not a Chicago team. You know, it's not you know, a massive market where it's like, okay, it's coming down to Charlotte and Chicago. Wonder where he's going to go. Right. Or Atlanta and LA wonder where he's going to go. So, you know, (laughs) for it to be, you know, San Antonio over, um, I forgot who got number two, but I mean, Houston. Hornets Hornets got number two. Well, the Hornets Hornets are getting Scoot Henderson. So they got that going for them. Are they going to take Scoot Henderson? They have LaMelo ball. So you can use Scoot as a two. He's better with the ball in his hands. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I, if I was them I, at number two, I'm probably taking Brandon Miller to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows what Charlotte's going to do? 
Uh, your dad said Detroit got screwed. That's fine with me. Nobody cares. Detroit basketball. <laughs> oh, they're gonna have to start trusting the process over there pretty soon. They got like nine top ten picks on that on that team in the last five years. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. All right. So your number four was Kenny Atkinson. Yes, sir. Uh, my number four is Chris Quinn. Uh, when I did research on him, he was another guy who was kind of just outside my top three. Uh, basically, as a Spolster clone is is really what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Haslam said that he's basically like a Spolster clone. That he'll get a he'll he'll get a head coaching job. He's got an an understanding of both you know the both offense and the defense. It's you know it is what it is. Um, your dad said the lottery is dumb. Yep. It's yeah. It's I don't know it. I think the NBA sees it as a deterrent to tanking. Whereas if the number one pick is won by the team with the worst record, you're going to have more blatant tanking. Well, then they need to, they need to start throwing fines around or when they, they think teams are tanking, they need to start, you know, putting their foot down a little bit harder. I think. I think if Adam Silver wants to do, you know, an in-season tournament that, you know, the, the top the number one pick yeah. exactly like the top four teams or the top eight teams after the all-star break need to have their schedule reworked and the team who has the best record you know in the last month of the season or something gets the number one pick because you know it looks like they're actually trying i agree that would make for a more competitive league i yes i strongly agree with that uh might also might also combat load management a little bit i'm not gonna lie to you if you have if you have a stretch of teams where you're playing detroit charlotte portland and San Antonio all in a row, and you have a five-game lead on first place, and you have four teams that are coming trying to get wins because they want the number one pick. Might not be as many starters resting in those games. Hey, we might be on to something, man. Look, I'll say, look at us solving problems. We better, we better be trademarking this <laughs> shit, boy. We can get paid. <laughs> uh, your dad said they fine for everything, but the money, big dollar babies can't play 82 games. Um, well, I mean, now if you miss more than 15, you're not eligible for end of season awards. So, and guess what? You don't, you don't win those end of season awards. You don't get that super max. That's true as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my number three, that's where I have Charles Lee. Uh, you mentioned that these are kind of in order, uh, in order of inspiration. Um, Charles Lee, he's a guy who's interviewed for four head coaching jobs now. So he's he's gonna have one, um, and I think he's deserving. I think he's you know he's proven that he's um, got the ability to do so. Um, it just hasn't come to fruition yet. Um, yeah. So yeah, MVP MVP became a joke award this season. Uh, the third best player definitely won it, but it is what it is. So who's your number three? Um, this is where I have Mark Jackson. Um, He's a guy who had, and now remember, you're going to think of the Warriors and you're going to think about the dynasty, right? He was right, right before the dynasty, right before putting them in the right direction. Um, Mark Jackson, he got that team in the right direction. He boasted a 526 win percentage with a team that was horrible before that. Um, yeah. A team that was kind of like the Bucks that was on the fringe of the playoffs every year, eight seed, get their ass whooped. He's like and, he's like the Jason Kidd, the Mike Budenholzer type thing. I agree. Um, but the reason that I like him so much, and you can – you can disagree with me. Anybody can disagree with me. I don't care. Um, the thing that the Bucks missed this season that I don't think that we brought up was Darvin Ham's toughness from the coaching bench. And 
it was on full display after they just lost to Denver. And he goes, we lost one game. It's not the NCAA tournament. We're going to be fine. That confidence and that mental toughness matters in the yeah. playoffs, especially, you know, it would, he definitely would have helped in his Miami series with adjustments and, and everything that went on. But I think a guy like a Mark Jackson, who just looks like, just looks like a tough guy, first of all, <laughs> and a guy that I think is a tough guy. Um, I think from the bench, that could be a big thing for this team. All right. So who is your number two? This is where I put Charles Lee, actually. Okay. I don't have either of my guys as number one, but I do trust my research, and I trust I trust the guys that I had on my list. I like it. I think Charles Lee, uh, first of all, like I said, I'm going to be a little redundant here. He's young. So if you get a guy and he's the right choice, he could be a coach for a long, long time, and you have that solved, and you're good to go, right? Yeah. Um, he's familiar with our players. Our players like him. They talk highly of him. I just don't see a reason why he couldn't be our head coach. You said he's going to get one. I don't see why Milwaukee would be a problem for him to have that. I don't know what connection he has in the league to, to for a lead assistant and stuff like that. You have some thoughts on that as well. But um, Charles Lee, I think, would be tremendous for us, and he's my number two option. So James said he, he basically kind of what I was getting out of, of the lottery mm-hmm. Um trying to not reward tanking, which, you know, it just increases your chances of getting the number one pick. doesn't guarantee you anything. And it's harder to tank in the NFL where you only play 17 games than it is in the NBA where you play 82. I really don't think tanking happens in the NFL. I think, I don't either. I really I don't. think the NFL, there's too much pride on the line, man. Like right. when, when you're physically running into somebody, right. You don't want to be on live TV where the internet well, is a bad place for a loss. And the NFL is the, the least – uh, league where you can be like, oh, it's just one game. Yeah. Because they all carry more weight because there's so few of them. Oh, great. Okay. You know, you're at a point in Major League Baseball where you can lose – you could lose 10 games in a row, have that be the equivalent of one NFL game. <laughs> Think about like, I mean, you're playing 16 or 17 NFL games on 162 Major League Baseball games. That's only eight fewer games than being 10 times as many games as they're playing in the NFL. And, and people were freaking out when the Brewers lost five. I'm like, bro, chill the fuck out. We play a million games. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, my number two, that's where I have Kenny Atkinson. He's, out of the guys interviewed so far, the assistant that has been in the best situations for me to be confident in them as a head coach. Okay. Um, you mentioned Charlotte was willing and ready to hire him as their head coach coming into this season. Um, I believe Steve Clifford got that job. He was actually a guy that I was interested in replacing Darvin Ham with mm. last season. Yep. So I do like I, you know, this is going to tie into where I'm going to go with my number one and some of these other um, guys that are potentially interviewing for the job. But what I really want is I want an offensive-minded head coach with a defensive-minded lead assistant. Okay. Makes now. Sense. This came out today that the Bucks are going to interview Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel is a defensive-minded assistant. Um, Charles Lee is a defensive-minded assistant. Chris Quinn is a defensive-minded assistant. Um, you know, I've brought up guys. Um, um, uh, Jordy Fernandez is kind of both. He's still my number one. Um Mike D'Antoni is more of an offensive mind. Uh, Dave Yeager is a defensive minded assistant. Um, those are those are the guys that I'm looking at that I would be, you know, those are the guys that I want aside my number one. 
because I want an offensive-minded head coach, which is why I have James Borrego as my number one out of the guys that I've interviewed so far. Oh, wow. James Borrego took a damn near talentless Charlotte team and increased their efficiency to points where it's like, okay, like they're not a good team, but they're doing good things. Oh. So if you give a guy like that a good GM and great personnel, that is where I feel a lot of optimism when it comes to things like half-court offense where the Milwaukee Bucks struggled last season. They've been struggling with that for a while, to be honest with you. And so with James Borrego, you look at Charlotte and um, look at the Charlotte Hornets not having a lot of talent and dealing with LaMelo Ball having some injuries in Borrego's final season in Charlotte. But they actually, in in his second and third years there, they were 10th in close game win percentage, Mm. which kind of struck me as interesting. His final season in Charlotte, they were number one in assists and number eight in offensive efficiency, despite being a horrible team. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and then on top of that, he's a good person. Like his former assistant said, he's a player's first coach with the ability to hold them accountable. Um, and part of it of gaining respect came from bringing in topics of outside of basketball that can relate to players. That really struck me as something that would re- like um, resonate with a guy like Giannis. For yeah. you know your coach to be able to connect with you, to gain that trust in a a smaller time frame when you're looking at it, you're like you're not this guy is not coming in to try to help you build to a championship team. You are coming into a team that has championship expectations and needs to hit the ground running as soon as the season starts. You know I you know well obviously whoever the the candidate is that ends up getting hired. Obviously, through the first month or two of the season, you're going to see some growing pains as guys, you know, figure out new systems and stuff like that. But um, over the course of this year, you're going to want to see the Bucks near the top of the Eastern Conference, looking like they are ready to go on a championship run. So for me, James Bragel is a guy who has head coaching experience. Uh, he was an interim coach after some coaches were fired in Orlando, and he coached four years in Charlotte. And definitely coach that team to better than their talent was. Okay. Uh, you could you could credit him with some of the development of guys like Lamelo Ball, uh, Malik Monk, um, both of the Martins. Uh, one of them on Miami tore the Bucks to shreds. Yeah, in the first round. Um, also, PJ Washington, um, and he had one of the Hernan Gomez's, I believe, uh, also in in Charlotte during mm-hmm. part of his tenure. Um, he was fired in part for not getting guys like Kai Jones, JT Thor, and James Booknight to be good players. Ooh. Have you heard of any of those guys since? No. Okay. So <laughs> I, I like James Borrego as an offensive-minded head coach. Now with Frank Vogel being interviewed by the end of the week, he's a defensive-minded guy. If you can – but I'll save this because this was one of the segments we had last week and I'll let you give your number one and we'll come back to this. But James Brago is my number one. Who's your number one? My number one is Chris Quinn. All right. Um, basically I'm going off of two things. Um, I said what I said about Mark Jackson. I feel like the Bucks could use a little bit of toughness, a little bit of edge. Chris Quinn being a guy like um, you, you heard the, the quote from 
an all-time NBA tough guy. Udonis Haslam. That guy yep. doesn't take shit. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but him being like Coach Spo, and I am a massive, massive fan of Coach Coach uh, Spolstra. Um, him being a, a mimic of that with a Giannis should terrify everybody in the NBA. You have a guy like think of, think about Spolstra with Giannis. Think about that. Look what look what they turned Bam Adebayo into. Well, Giannis is Bam Adebayo and steroids. Bruce and and Cody Martin into or sorry, Caleb Martin. Yeah. I don't even know which one they have. I don't care. They they have one of them that was playing really good against us for some fucking reason. Um, now now you have a bunch of high IQ guys, so you don't have to worry about that. You just have guys that you're going to give them an edge, right? We have too many nice guys on our team. I love that we have nice guys. Don't get me wrong. I like that they're good people. We've talked about it a million times. Brooke Lopez, he blocks a lot of shots. At the end of the day, he's a really nice guy. Yeah. Chris Middleton, he has very high basketball IQ, but really nice guy. Drew Holiday, literally just one teammate of the year. Do I have to tell you that he's a nice guy? He's been in a row and the third time in four years. Do I, do, do I have to tell you he's a nice guy? No, he's a nice fucking guy, okay? Giannis literally tells dad jokes. Dude, the nicest people tell dad jokes. Are you serious? I mean, like, you look at a guy like Joe Ingles, who is a little he's edgy a on guy. the court, but, like, he's, like, a really actually a large, like, massive advocate for autism awareness because he has that a child a, that has it. That is fantastic, and I love that. I really do. But he's a nice guy. Okay. Not on the court. He's not a nice guy on the court. He's a dick on the court. If I'm being yeah, honest, right, right, right. Drew Holiday called him an asshole. He's he's more of like because Drew's like the nicest person of all time. That's why I told you after when he was when Drew was talking shit with Jimmy, I was kind of like, the "Fuck is going on here, man?" Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Um, we just get, we got too many nice personalities. That's why when PJ was here, I'm not trying to be one of those guys. But PJ was the edge, right? right? Even if PJ scored zero points, he was 0 for 8. Let me tell you something. He had those guys up here ready to go to war. Yeah. I need a guy that's going to lead us like that. And if Chris Queen could be like Spo, and Spo is a player's, player's guy too, don't get me yeah. wrong, but he also has those guys ready to go to battle. Whenever we talk about Miami, what do we talk about? They play hard. Yeah. That's what I want. And I'm not saying that the Bucs don't play hard, but right. having your guys ready with an edge every single day in the playoffs, like – Every well, game being able war? to fire teams up because it that, seems, you know, like the Bucks were relying on their talent to gain yep. big leads and yep. just didn't keep doing the things that got them their lead when they had it. No. And Miami wasn't a team that was going to roll over. No, because they're ready to go to war, dude. Right. So on that, and, you know, you, you weren't here for this, um, this segment last week, but – I'm just going to go back to James Borrego and talking about Frank Vogel with James Borrego being, in my opinion, the best offensive minded coach available out of the eight so far. And Frank Vogel being an experienced championship level defensive minded head coach with 11 years of NBA head coaching experience. So you're talking about 15 plus years between the two of them, one offensive mind, one defensive mind. I would love the pairing of James Borrego as the head coach with Frank Vogel as his lead assistant. I would love that pairing, honestly. Now, I know James Brago is the best offensive one. So I would love him as an assistant. Okay. But I still – oh, man. 
if I had to match him up with any of these eight, obviously you just heard I love Chris Quinn. I should have done more research on him. I didn't research him as much as I should have. I got um, – I have a little bit. Um, so I have the Haslam coaches – or the Haslam quotes – um, saying that he's got the knowledge, the experience, the relationship with players. He's got every base covered when you talk about checking the boxes to have the ability to be a successful head coach. Um, he's been with Miami since 2015. Um, and before that, he was the Northwestern Director of Player Development. He's been um, everywhere, dude. He understands the grind. Right. And he, um, had a, he had a cup of tea in the NBA as well. Mm-hmm. So he's been there. Um if you're talking a guy like Chris Quinn who doesn't have any head coaching experience, how would you feel about pairing him with a guy like Sergio Scariolo, who's got damn near 35 years of coaching experience, although only four of it, three of it was in the NBA as an assistant previously, but has a shit ton of experience coaching in Europe. I think that could be one of those things where, and we talked we talked about the with Jordan Love might have been just personal, but we talked about people like the unknown of potential. Mm-hmm. So when you think about Jordan Love, right, you're you're thinking like, man, what can this guy turn into, right? Yeah. So I think that pairing of Chris Quinn and and scoliosis <laughs> would be that could be scary, dude. The Spanish pick and roll. The Spanish with a guy pick that, and roll. That's why I want him. Oh. <laughs> The Spanish pick and roll with a guy that gets you ready to eat somebody's face off. Oh, Jesus Christ. Florida, man. Is that intentional? Because <laughs> he's from Miami. <laughs> no, that was just an accidental play. Hey, it worked out. Um, I think that could be a, a beautiful marriage. So There's looking at if you can convince some of these, you know, other assistants, former assistants, uh, a Becky Hammond. Like if you can convince any of these, right now. You see that? Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she might have taken herself out of the running, but yeah. um, I mean, if you can convince some of these people to buy in and be like, hey, like you know, I know you're doing your thing in in Sacramento, Jordy, but do you want to come be the head coach? We're gonna bring this guy in from Europe who runs this crazy style of offense. Can you marry that with some fast pace? And here you go. Here's Giannis at Benetton. Dude, all I'm gonna say is, bro. More fast break for Giannis is bad for your team. Okay, you 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 were sick and tired of watching him shoot free throws before. He's about to shoot fifty a game, dude. <laughs> oh boy, let me tell you. So yeah, that's why I want an offensive-minded head coach. I want somebody who's going to come in and you know revolutionize the offense because the Bucks have capable defenders. That even if they have somebody who's not necessarily like super locked into you know doing things defensively that you can bring in an assistant to help with that. Mm-hmm. But I want somebody who is super cerebral on offense to basically score 130 a game and then be like, all right, we have three all NBA defenders in our starting lineup. Yeah. They're going to do their thing. They know how to play NBA defense. Let's teach them how to play half court offense and score every single time and not go through some droughts like they did in the first, in the first round this year. Now, let me add this in real quick while we wrap this up here. Don't forget that whoever gets this head coaching gig is getting the first season of the Giannis Adetokounmpo villain arc. Don't forget that. Don't fucking forget that because I'm going to remember that when he's dunking on everybody in February. 
because he is pissed. He's yeah, he's a he's a guy that I don't think would lose that edge. No, five months from now when we're talking about the season no getting ready to go, like he's gonna remember that. You know, he's not gonna like that's not gonna dissipate in him over the next five months. I think with with basketball still going on, obviously he still remembers it right now. When he gets his little month, two months here where there's no basketball, he might forget about that just for a second. But I'll tell you what, once those fucking lights go on, once he ties those goddamn shoestrings, I promise you he's going to remember. He's – I'm just going to say this, that Europe is lucky that Eurobasket was last year. (laughs) Boy, (laughs) boy, you're not wrong about that. You're not wrong. But I want him to have that energy in a Bucks uniform. Right. All right. We'll be back next week. There's going to be more names on this list. We can add them in. We can add in our thoughts with it. But uh, definitely some interesting candidates so far. And a wide, super wide net is being cast by John Horst here. And I'm totally on board with that. Even if it's not guys that they're seriously considering. They just interviewed a Washington Wizards assistant. He's been in the G League for a long time and done a lot of successful Mm -hmm. things there. But for him to be a longtime assistant of a team that didn't play very well last year in Washington, you're just getting more guys in the door. I think it was you that said it, actually, that you're interviewing more and you're getting more philosophies of what they think could be done with this roster that you could then pass on. um, I like that thought process. (laughs) That you can pass on to whoever does get the job and say, hey, we interviewed Kelvin Sampson from Houston a team that was really good in college last year. Here's something he thought we could do. Can we do that? Wow. I like that. And I think Giannis is going to sign off on whoever the hell John Horst wants. I think John, John Horst has, has been pretty forthcoming by saying that he trusts players' opinions and they're, that will be a factor. So I don't think we have to worry about it that, you know, people need to stop saying things like John Horst better run his pick by Giannis first. Like, He's talking to them before they're coming in. Like he's already, I guarantee you all the money I own in my house that that John Horst has already talked to Giannis about the head coach search. I agree. And what Giannis is looking for, what Giannis, you know, likes about the person that he's going to put his trust in to put him in positions to succeed. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. Anything else you want to add? No. All right, so upcoming, we will be back on Friday night. Friday night, we were doing our draft review. Uh, we kind of wanted to let the the noise die down because there's just so much of that in the week after the draft that we didn't just want to add to the noise, and we kind of wanted to put our own spin on it. So um, similar to the way we did our, our draft series where we each picked a couple guys to talk about in our top tens, we broke up the um, we broke up the picks. And we each have a few to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to add in some uh, some draft snipers, some teams that we're mad at for taking guys that we wanted or, or picking guys right before us that we were hoping would fall. So we're going to add that in. And uh, Simon and Brian will be back with us for that. Then next oh, Monday, God. we will be at American Family Field. Mm-hmm. We will be there as Wisco Fanatics with Mental Health America at a table handing out stickers and can koozies. We got a big old banner that they made for us. That was awesome of them to do. So we're going to be, we're going to be at American family field in front of Brewers fans. Hopefully there's thousands of our logo. Not as Brewers fans. We're going to be there as Wisco fanatics. We're working with the team uh, in mental health awareness month. So this is 
it's a, it's a big deal for us. We're excited for. Yeah. Uh, can't wait. I will see you Friday and I'll see you Monday, dude. Yeah. Full week, baby. Yeah. Uh, James, we are not hiring Doc Rivers. So that's going to nah, be. No, I'm good on that. Fuck that. Gonna a, that's going to be a fat no for me, dog. Um, but then also, I'm going to put this out there now. This is two weeks away yet. But June 2nd, we are going to do. Uh, this is going to be a Friday night show. We are going to do a thank you, Aaron Rodgers episode. Um, I know some people are happy to see him go because they didn't like his off the field antics or the drama surrounding the trade. But the fact of the matter is he was here for 18 years. And in some people's opinions, mine included, he's the best player of our franchise history. Yep. Um, he won us a Super Bowl yep. and he's given us a lot of great memories and Jake, myself, Simon and Bryant are going to put our top fives together of, of Aaron Rodgers moments that we remember. Um, and we're going to thank Aaron Rodgers for his time in Green Bay. Because, I still always love Aaron. And that's the thing. Yeah, like, you know, it shouldn't be ill will from anybody in Wisconsin or Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers. The Whatever you think that about you are just, I tell you what, it's, I, it's I'm, I'm so sick and tired of being like, Reading, reading a comment and it's like, oh, we got rid of a 39-year-old washed-up quarterback. Like, dude, were you saying that like two years ago when he won the MVP and he was leading us to 13 wins? No, you weren't saying that shit, man. saying that he's selfish for playing injured. Like, people love Brett Favre because he played through injuries, but now well, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers is doing it, so it's selfish, even though we were on a run to try to make the playoffs. It is what it is, man. You're, so, we're, we, you, they say you can't fix stupid, but we're just trying to fix the people that are only half stupid, I guess. <laughs> or you know, or just entertain some people who enjoyed watching Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback of the Packers, which we did. So yeah, we're going to tell you the ones that we enjoyed the most, or the top fives at least for each of us. So um, we are not we're not exclusively picking, so there's not guaranteed to be 20 moments. But I will guarantee you that not all four of us will have the Super Bowl as number one. We're not ranking Aaron Rodgers' top five moments. We're ranking our top five moments that we remember of Aaron Rodgers. I already have my number one. I'll tell you that right now. I have. I don't even have my. I don't even have my list started for that. But my number one set. It's good. It's I I know two of my top five, and neither of them are the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl was great though. Won't lie about that. That's it'll probably end up in my top five, but it's not. It's not close really to the things that come to mind first that were the most exciting i agree so or the most memorable part of it is you know who you're sharing the memories with so that's why my number one's locked bro (laughs) okay all right man i will see you friday night then and monday and wednesday yes sir i'll see you friday in the next week that's okay with me we've been friends for a long time (laughs) yeah almost half of your life now that you're getting old (laughs) great way to end the show later buddy (laughs) enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.